The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello, friends. I'm your host, Chris Thrill. I'm a former Royal Marines commando. I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Hello, friends. So, yeah, bit of a serious uh, subject today. Heroin. And a lot of misunderstanding around all drugs, especially the way drugs relate to addiction. In, in society, you remember what I'm always saying, society, most of what you know is a lie. You've been lied to. I've been lied to because the ruling elite just want to control us. They don't want you achieving your dreams. Why not? Because if you achieve your dreams, you'll be happy like me. You won't want anything. They don't want that. They want you out there with your credit card and your loans, you know, maxing out your debts. And so they can enslave you. Then you're a slave for the money, right? So it's the same when it, with every topic, anything you hear from the BBC, CNN, it's all lies. And until you start to see it, you can't set out on that really important path to enlightenment. So with drugs, the lie is, is that, oh, if you smoke a joint, it's a gateway drug. You're going to get addicted to heroin. Or if you have a beer, you're going to you know, become, it's, it's not like that. The gateway to addiction uh, is most often childhood trauma. Nothing to do with a plant that grows in the dirt or a or a drink that's that's you know brewed in a tank. It it's it's really not. It's saying that a drug, and I include alcohol here, obviously. Saying that a drug can cause addiction is as stupid as saying you bought a new car and it keeps making you have speeding tickets, right? Addiction is a mental health condition. It's If you want to um, get technical, it's a learned psychological condition. It's not a disease as people want to have you believe. It It isn't a form of illness, mental unwellness. You could, yeah. You can have that, but it's a learned psychological condition. You learn that you do this action and you feel good, your worries go away. So you do it again tomorrow and you feel good, worries go away, do it again the next day. Suddenly you live for that action, right? When your life starts falling down around your ears, what do you do to fix it all? You do that again because that fixes everything, right? And you, 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 you slowly not seeing that your life's falling apart. And the more you do that, the more it falls apart. And the more it falls apart, what have you learned to do? You've learned that that fixes everything. So you do more. 
That is what addiction is. It's a learned psychological condition. And as such, you can unlearn it, right? I say this because you've got people running around saying that it's a disease that you're ill for life and that you can never, ever, ever have a drink or a, or a, a drug again. And, and I mean, really, would you not rather learn balance? Would you not rather learn how to get a control of this thing that's that, that was out of order? And it's not the easiest. And some of these uh, self-help groups that, you know, they, they're abstinence-based, yeah, they can really help you when your life is becoming destroyed by chemicals, you know, um, chemicals including alcohol. They can be a kind of good stopgap measure. I'm not taking that away, but... That, but then if you go on to preach for the rest of your life that you're an ill person and you could, it's like, mm, come on. Anyway, I want to talk about heroin, right? So, I mean, to relate to what I've just said, you often hear heroin, it's the most addictive drug. Well, it, it's not going to be addictive. If you're not, if you, if you haven't got underlying trauma, it's not going to be an addictive drug for you because you won't smoke it or inject it or whatever and then go, oh, wow, that's so brilliant. I just want to do it again. You'll go, oh, well, that's okay. It's an experience. A bit like riding a bike. It's okay, but I won't want to do it every day, right? So it's what I'm saying is it's horses for courses. Not every drug suits every person in it anyway, right? Now, I first came across it in Hong Kong heroin we're talking about it was after the time i first tried crystal meth now crystal meth was the drug for me it was like the key in the lock it made me feel so full of well-being unbeknown to me because this is all deep down in your psychology right in your psyche unbeknown like i'm happy for the first time in my life all my probably all my demons are at ease all my trauma is a let you know allayed and that's a dangerous position to be in because you start to seek that mindset, right, through taking the drug again. So the first time I took Krismov, I felt so brilliant. I just wanted to go out and buy some more immediately. So I went to uh, Chunky Mansions, the ghetto in Hong Kong, and my dealer, Ghanaian Mark, Ghanaian immigrant that used to sell drugs just to survive in Hong Kong, he said, Chris, I haven't... You know, I sold my last hundred dollar deal. That's that's about ten pounds in English, so about sixteen, seventeen bucks US, right? He said I sold my last deal earlier in the day. Well, the the addicted side of me is like, damn, you know, if you go to the supermarket and they run out of eggs or milk, and you go, damn, right? That's kind of not normal, right? There's a little hint there that that you've you you're getting a problem so i should have kind of realized that well i kind of did realize uh he said i got some heroin or he said i got some number four in hong kong they call heroin number four and apparently it, it's a it's to do with the purity of it so what is hong kong heroin why is it different from what we have say in uh in england in england you have like black tar Heroin, I believe it is. It comes from, um, it comes from like Afghanistan, these places. So, so um, that part of 
Middle Asia, I, I, I suppose you're calling it, Mid, Middle East stroke Asia. And in the UK, it's absolute pants, you know. It's been adulterated so many times as it's come down the, 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 the dealer chain that the heroin you're getting is probably like 5% pure, if, if you're lucky. And that's why a lot of, that's why people can overdose on heroin is when they get an actual good deal and the stuff's purer, say like, I don't know, 30%, um, they can inject it thinking it's like the usual rubbish that they buy, right? The usual trash that they buy if you're, if you're listening from America. And of course, that it's such a powerful sedative bang. You immediately go, you, you, you know, you immediately sort of um, go into a, a semi-conscious state. And what happens is, is your breathing stops and you're too like slumped to know that you've stopped breathing. And that's why people, that's why people die, right? So again, it's kind of like, it's not even the drug. It's not even the addiction. It's, it's, it's an accident, as it were. Okay, it's a self kind of, you know, you brought it on yourself, but it's still an accident. Um, so that's, that's the UK situation. In Hong Kong, it's very different. You have China white. This number four, it's, it's to do with the purity. It's called China white. It's pure white heroin. That creates a problem in places like Cambodia because tourists go there. They want to get high because they're on, they're traveling and they're away from home. So they'll ask the guy on the street corner, can you get some coke? Because a lot of people in the UK do coke, right? Cocaine. Lots of people. Uh, it's kind of a real night out drug here now. You know, it's, it's kind of fairly normal for many young people. Not, not everyone, obviously, but on a night out to snort a line before they go out and maybe a line when they're out. I'm not condoning this, by the way, and I'm certainly not condoning injecting heroin. What I'm condoning is like, you live your life and I'll live my life. Have we got a deal? So, yeah, what happens is these people go partying in, in Cambodia and the dealer goes, yeah, 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 get your cocaine. What they do, they, they know damn well that China White looks exact exactly almost uh, exactly like cocaine when it's been cut with with um, additives so like glucose or whatever it goes it goes very powdery whereas pure coke what you'd buy in Hong Kong uh, it's st actually sticky it's like slightly yellowy a bit like toffee-ish really have a trouble kind of chopping it up right so they sell these tourists in Cambodia this white powder. Of course, they think it's cocaine, so they go and do a big fat line, and it's China white heroin. Um, bang! They they're found dead in the hotel room next morning. Then that happened to two lads who live where um, where I live in Plymouth, and it was just awful, you know. Kids really just out having the time of their lives, having a bit of fun. Um, bang, dead. And 
Yeah, there was a big crowdfunding sort of operation and it raised thousands in in just a few days to get their bodies back, you know. Uh, so that is drugs for you folks. You know, if you're going to fuck with that stuff, you've got to be prepared to die because people do. It's statistically fairly rare, but if you if you're around a drug scene long enough, you will know lots. You will start to know lots of people. My two best friends, my two best friends, one died in a night of alcohol poisoning, just drank himself to death in one night accidentally. And the other, if you see my uh, podcast called My Friend Died on Acid or wh whichever, whatever I titled it, you know, Lee died there, bang, right when we took acid, drowned himself, you know, accidentally. So I digress. but. I'm just telling you the truth. Mess around with that stuff. Got to be prepared to die. And, you know, that's just how it is. So, I'm there in Hong Kong. Can't get crystal meth. But my dealer's offering me this um, number four, China White. I'm like, what's this like then? And there were two school kids in the room, right? That might sound really bad. I'm, I mean, they're like six formers. So they're probably 17, 18 years old. I was only 20, 26, 25 myself at the time. And a lot of the kids in Hong Kong, they do crystal meth and they go and do their homework and do all their assignments on crystal meth, right? It wasn't like a, this wasn't an unusual thing. So I'm in this little squatty place in this ghetto in Hong Kong, this tiny rubbish apartment. And I'm like, what's, so what's this number four stuff like? And these two lads are like, oh, well, you know, it's okay. We used to do loads of it, but like now we just do the math. <laughs> what you just you're like I didn't even really I didn't really know anything about this stuff when I was your age, you know. Anyway, I digress. So I bought some uh, number four China white. Went home, and you can do lots of things with it. You can snort it if you're obviously careful. You you can smoke it off silver foil. And you can obviously inject it. So I smoked a bit off silver foil, and I went home and I and I went back to my apartment. I lived with this Chinese guy, and like I'm just I'm high. But the first time you get high on it, it makes you feel really sick. You just go to the toilet and start retching like that. Nothing, nothing will come out right. It's not. It never was like the thing for me. I've just got, I just had this personality because of the underlying trauma that I'd always want to try anything to change the way that I felt, right? So, um, so yeah, that was the first time I tried it. And the only other times I would try it would be if I couldn't get anything else and I just wanted to get high. I'd go to a park in, uh, Mongkok, Kowloon side in, um, in Hong Kong, that's the mainland side, and I'd, I knew these homeless guys, right, and I used to go, what did I used to do, I used to go and buy knocked off cigarettes from them, they'd, they'd get smuggled cigarettes in from China, and I used to go and buy them cheap and sell them to my workmates, one time I was buying some, I just said to this uh, Chinese guy, I said, Homase, and he's like, Homase number four, right, so he goes away, comes back, 
and he pretends to give me something like, or I'm pretending like to look at the map, like the MTR map, the under the uh, the tube station map, you know, the underground, and I'm like, yes, oh, excuse me, can you tell me where I'm going? I'm pretending to be a tourist, and he kind of slips the a little drinking straw that that big into my hand, you know, and I'm like, and he's like, he's like, put it in your mouth. Yeah, he's telling me to put it in my mouth so I can swallow it if the police come. So this drinking straw, it's sealed at both ends, like with a cigarette lighter, and it's got, you know, a decent amount of this white powder in. So I started to do that, but I'd only do it, you know, once a fortnight, this kind of thing. And then one time, I had a friend, David Niven. Not the David Niven, if you're English, you'll know the old, uh, the, the long-dead film star now. but my friend's David Niven. It wasn't his real name because it's his pseudonym from my book, Eating Smoke, right? But his real name was equally as funny if you, if, if, actually I may as well tell you because uh, I don't even know if he'd still be alive to be honest. He's called Richard Burton. You just know an Eating Smoke secret there that no one else, I've not told anyone else in a whole wide world. Anyway, so me and let's call him David Niven, right? Or I get confused. So me and Dave, we're knocking around Mon um, uh, Hong Kong one day. It's our weekend. We worked in this crazy computer company together. We're knocking around. We're mooching about uh, Kowloon side. And he says to me, Chris, can you get some of that, you know, that stuff? And I'm like, dude, what do you want to do heroin for? You used to have a problem with it. You told me you had a problem with it. It like ruined your life for two years. And he said, yeah, he said it did. But now, like I do it every so often, but I don't do it that much that I get re... It wasn't that you'd get re-addicted. It's that you'd get uh, your tolerance to it would increase and your body would get used to the chemical. And then you'd get the withdrawal when you tried to come off it. And the withdrawal, it's really not pleasant. It kind of hooks you on this drug for ages if you're not careful. And you, you'll get the physical withdrawals after taking heroin for like three days. Um, so Dave had been introduced to it. He went to, he went to Thailand with a couple of friends. And they were really big into chasing the dragon, right? He went to Thailand. And I think they're injecting it. Chasing the dragon means smoking it off silver foil. He went to Thailand with these two, this couple, and they were buying this, you know, China white that I'm telling you about. Dave said when he came back, he was in cold turkey on the plane because, you know, he'd already developed that much of a tolerance. His body had got used to it. Anyway. So me and Dave, we pick some up and I'm like, right, come on. I went to the park. I did the thing with a straw, put it in my mouth. So come on, Dave, let's go back to my place and do this stuff in, you know. And he says, no way, man. If you're going to do it, you've got to do it properly. You've got to inject it. Whoa. So I thought, okay. I mean, I'll try anything once. That was all. That's kind of like kind of been my my attitude for for a lot of things you know so we went to a pharmacy and i waited outside where he went in and asked for a pack of one mil syringes 
they're the smallest ones you get and he got the needle already fixed on the end and he said he says he's diabetic right that was his cover story I'm, I'm diabetic can i get some insulin needles you know i'm sure they weren't stupid in that shop and uh yeah that was it he came out right let's go went back to my place got a spoon you put the you tap out a bit of heroin into the spoon. You obviously don't tap too much, or you're going to what they call go over, which is blackout and risk the possibility of dying. And he put a syringe full of water on top of that powder. And then he said, Have you got any uh, lemon? So I went and got a lemon. I'm like, What's, what's the lemon for? He said, Oh, it just stops it all, uh, the, the vitamin C stops it all congealing. Okay, he stirred up the the potion with the end of the syringe, like that, and uh, he said, "Right, filter, cigarette filter. Just need a tiny bit." So he ripped a bit off a cigarette filter, chucked it on top of this mix that he'd boiled with a cigarette lighter, and I'm like, "What's the filter for?" He said, "You got to suck this stuff up through that filter, so you lay the needle on the filter. If you don't." All you need is a microscopic bit of heroin or dirt or whatever's in that mix to enter your bloodstream and it will go to your brain and it gives you a massive migraine. So, okay, yeah. So that's what he did. He did it. He wrapped a tourniquet around his arm as a belt or a tie or whatever and then he went first and and uh, I don't... You know, I don't know how, I didn't see any real reaction in him. Then he kind of fixed me up and I'm I'm expecting this like, you know, like a train thundering down the tracks experience. And and uh, it was nothing really. I just felt a little bit of a high, bit of a heroin high. As I said, it's not really my, it was never really my favorite thing anyway. And uh Maybe he didn't give me that much. Well, he obviously didn't give me that much, but maybe he did that intentionally because he didn't want me to get, you know, he didn't want to risk me getting hurt. But it was, it wasn't that. If you've ever seen Train Spotting, it was not, it was nothing like that. So yeah, that was it, and that was the only time I injected heroin. Um, I used to a friend of mine and I. We started we used to buy one straw. And we'd share it after we'd been raving all night. And I'm not encouraging anybody to do this, but my God, it was so nice. When you want to come down from, from ease and, and, you know, crystal maple speed, it was oh, just, just absolutely such a chilled out feeling. That was the only time really that it was, you know, it was uh, really nice. Not my thing. My thing was always amphetamine, you know, uppers. I wanted uppers. I wanted to get out, get a load of life. You know, I wanted to be doing things. I didn't want to be like comatosing myself and, and trying to block life out. I wasn't I wasn't in pain, if, if that makes sense. So, yeah, that was it. If you've got any questions, put them below and I'll, I'll answer them, you know, uh, in another video maybe. Um, but yeah, be safe, folks. Seriously, some um, you know, you get one life and you 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 got to live it right. 
Friends, thank you for listening to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Please like, subscribe and share. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Username, Chris Thrall. Instagram, Chris.Thrall. Thank you.